I don't want you just looking at the Christian tree. I want you to actually become a living leaf on it in your uniqueness. mentioned it earlier, and I would love to encourage you to think about this a little bit. Um, we, are, we are wanting to ratchet up prayer in our church in a significant way over the course of this next year. Um, this last year, I have spent, uh, I literally had Barbara rearrange my schedule so I could try to spend a day of prayer every week, so a whole day. So I'd pack a couple of days and uh, literally pack out a couple of days with meetings and even if I had to work really late, whatever it took, so I could have time to spend a day in prayer. And uh, Barbara, my admin, was awesome. She helped to make that happen. And, um, and so, thank you, Barbara. I think you're online right now, wherever you're at. I love you. Thank you. But we want to continue to ratchet up prayer just in the church as a whole, be a, a church that prays. And so there are a number of things that we're going to be doing. And I just want to set the stage for this before we get into the message. The first one is after I'm done preaching at the end of the services, we're going to have people up front to pray with you. And I want to encourage you even now, I know when it's new, uh, it's a little awkward. Like, should I go up? Should I not go up? Listen, if God is working in your heart or you want to even pray for somebody that you love or pray for our community or pray for our nation, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, I want to encourage you at the end of the sermon just to make your way up. Even as I'm preaching, if something comes to mind, write it down. Be like, I'd love to pray with somebody about, uh, man, the future of our country, you know, the economic, whatever it might be. As God lays it on your heart, we want to be a people that are praying together. We're going to have opportunity for that after the sermon from here on forward. And I know it'll be a little bit of uh, us getting used to it. The second thing that we're going to do is uh, four times a year, or four times every quarter, about every quarter, we're going to do a prayer, kind of a prayer vigil on Sunday mornings. So uh, coming up here, it will be, it's, it's a number of months out, uh, it's actually the Sunday before the elections. I'm going to announce this more coming up, but I'm just going to lay this out there even now. The Sunday before the elections, uh, we are going to not be live online, so nothing online. Uh, we'll play a service from the past, and, and we know we a lot of people do the online, love you, come join us in person that Sunday, uh, and if you live a long ways away, the sermons a year ago weren't bad either. Um, but the Sunday leading into, or the Sunday leading into the election, the fall is the first time we're going to do it, we're going to gather together. Uh, the two campuses on this side of the city are going to meet together. Uh, this time we're going to do it over at East Fishers. I'll announce it, even more coming up. And uh, as we gather together, live, in person, back-to-back -back services, all of, our, all of our time together is going to be in prayer, prayer for our country, prayer for healing. So if you know people that want to pray for healing, that God would just restore, whether it's mental health or physical health, whatever it might be, mental, physical, um, emotional, whatever it might be, man, even praying for loved ones. I mean, this is a Sunday. Bring people that are sick. Bring people that are in need of a move of God. And we're going to spend a whole morning just in prayer. Old school revival, healing, prayer, we're going to do it and spend some significant time even praying for our country. It needs it. I would agree. 
And so I want to encourage you, it'll be the Sunday before the election, just laying that out there. There's a lot more details that's still coming up, uh, but we want to be a church that prays together. The second thing I have announcement is uh, in a couple of weeks, so in not this Sunday, but two Sundays from now, uh, we have our scent service, 5 o'clock p.m. over at the East Fishers location. It's not a service, the scent uh, gathering, where we gather together and we help you battle plan how to share Jesus with your friends and family. It is an awesome time. And in fact, in our church, it's like the only prime time where we really do sit down and go, how do we strategically share our faith with our friends and neighbors? You can share ideas back and forth. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. And so those that have the gift are sharing what they're doing and how it's working. And it helps you come up with plans and strategies to share your faith with your neighbor because we are not merely sitting and waiting for Jesus to come. We are on mission while we wait for his return. And so make sure to mark your calendars two weeks, not this Sunday, but two weeks out. And uh, join us at 5 o'clock p.m. at East Fishers. We'll announce it more coming up. I love you guys. All right, into today's message. Uh, We are in this series where we are talking about, we call it uh, the growth track for our church. And really what it is, is it's a way for you to go from observer of Christianity to participant in Christianity in our organization. So what does that look like? Uh, I want for you, listen, So bad I want for you to not treat the Bible and the Word of God as merely an interesting historical set of facts or ideas to consider, propositions, right? Like, I do not want that for you. I don't want it to merely be information like you're sitting in a history class. I want, really bad, I want for you, I want the Word of God, I want it to be real, I want it to be in your bones, I want you to have a relationship with God, I want you to begin to learn what it means to pray, I want you to not just read the Bible, but let the Bible read your heart, I want you to understand what that means, I want more for you than to just study the Bible like a historical document, I want you to actually walk with Jesus, that's what I want for you. And so as we've been talking about this the last couple of years, our staff has landed on, we talked about this last week, I'm going to do it as a primer for each of the sermons in this series, we came up with this thing we call the growth track. The growth track, right, it's not just one thing that you do, but it's states of living, right? So I want you to imagine with me, imagine with me, okay, so a tree, we talked about this last week, I'm going to do it as the opening idea for the next two weeks too, and today. I want you to imagine a tree. If you go out and you look at a tree um, in summertime, there's leaves all over, thousands of leaves, and all the leaves are a little bit unique. You represent this uniqueness, right? Like, so you might be trying to live your faith out, and the uniqueness of your story is you are a single mom at home trying to figure out how to do this. You might, your leaf might be you're a brand new baby Christian. Um, your leaf might be that you are a lawyer or you're a medical doctor. Whatever it is, you have a unique version of you that you are trying to live your faith out. And it is unique to you. But if you follow those unique leaves back, they come to fewer branches and even fewer trunks, right? Like they get thinner and thinner. There's less and less of them. Lots of leaves, less twigs, less, you know, branches all the way down, right, to like one core, absolute core trunk of the tree. So there are common things that all believers should be doing even though you are unique in how God crafted you. Do you get it? So you are unique. Your leaf is unique, but there are common things that we should all be doing together. Those things we call the growth track, right? So let me make a couple of statements. The first one is this. Christianity is to be participated in and not merely observed, right? So I don't want you just looking at the Christian tree. I want you to actually become a living leaf on it. 
in your uniqueness. Don't merely look at the tree and go, oh, that's cool. I mean, that's a life-giving tree. I want you to participate in it in your unique way with all your unique makeup and your personality and your age and stage of life. All that's unique about you, I want you to participate. But to do that well, there are common things that all believers are doing, right? And so the growth track, I want to make a quick statement about it. The growth track isn't merely, again, to be really clear, it isn't merely a set of tasks to accomplish, but practices to make part of your life rhythm. And the four primary branches of all these unique leaves, right, like the trunk would be Christ, and these four branches that we see all through church history, we call them this, encounter, Discover, connect, and sent. So like encounter, we talked about this last week, is the gathering of believers where you come and you encounter the presence of God. You remember your story. You remember his story. You remember your destination, right? Like it's recalibrating out secular culture in a sense and remembering the kingdom of God and your story in it. Encounter, we talked about that last week. Today we're going to do Discover, and I have staff members attached to each of these. So with Discover, I have Leslie. So Leslie, won't you come on up to the stage? You're taking the long way up, so do we keep clapping, or do we do, yay? No, I'm kidding, I'm picking on you. You are awesome. Thank you so much for coming up and joining us. Yeah, it's great are to be here. Hey, do you need some help? You got that figured out? There we go. Okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, so out of my staff members that oversee different areas, she is the one by far that doesn't like the stage the most. That's Did true. Did I say that right? Yeah. Uh, my true. other staff members that are over these areas, they like the stage. Uh, they like the stage. But Leslie, she, she enjoys getting a lot done behind the scenes. That's true. And so this will probably be short, shorter than... Yeah. Other sermons. Yeah, that's true. And we definitely practiced it more. And there's, uh, but I think you have some great stuff to say. So let me just ask a couple of questions about this. Are you ready? I'm ready. First question is this. What exactly is Discover Trinity? Okay. So simply put, Discover Trinity is a two-week class um, that happens about every other month at each campus where you can come and learn about how to become more integrated into the life of the church. And on a broader level, Discover Trinity, I would say, is about stories. So we share the story of Trinity, which um, that we are actually coming up on Trinity's 100-year birthday, which is yeah. really cool. So Trinity has a really long history of doing ministry in Indianapolis. We share a little bit of our story of how we came here, which, in fact, I realized this last week that today marks 11, 11 years ago today, was our first Sunday here at Trinity, which is kind of cool. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. So we just feel really privileged that we have been able to be a part of Trinity's story for 10 or 11 of its 100 years. Um, and then also just your story. You get to opportunity to share your story and learn about how your story can um, become a part of our story as we are seeking to be a part of God's greater story. Right. So, so in a sense, Discover Trinity... Um, is about discovering the story of the church, right? the yeah. story of our community, mm -hmm. and then, in a sense, Trinity discovering the story of the people that come and figuring out a way to overlap those. Sure. Um, yeah. So the story of the church, their story become one. I like that. That's right. That's good. Okay. Second question I have for you is this. What is the desired outcome uh, for Discover Trinity or of Discover Trinity? Yeah. 
So first, that you would come away really feeling like you understand the story of Trinity and what we care about, our values, our vision, and how you can, um, from that point, more fully participate in it. And another thing we talk about is joining the mission of Trinity by making a membership commitment. So we'll talk about that. What does that look like? Why would you even do that? What does that mean? So we talk about that. And then um, it's also a place where you can kind of learn what are the next steps? How do I get connected to a community? How can I use my gifts that God has given me to build up the church? And what are all of those opportunities? And we have a lot of them. Um, so yeah, it's, um, those are some of the desired outcomes, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, Discover Trinity is also a really good place if they have, like, theological questions about, yes. you know, how we do things. You can also meet with pastors at any time and Hopefully talk to Hopefully you don't them. ask me any really hard ones, but I will do my best. And Or point people in the right direction <laughs> right, yeah. to have them yes, answered. But we do, yeah, we do talk about even what, what does the Wesleyan Church believe and things like that. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Okay, uh, third question I have is what are some of the things covered in Discover Trinity? Yeah. So, like, a little bit of content. Mm -hmm. Mission, vision, and values. So, we talk a lot about that. Um, we talk about the growth track. And um, we'll talk about Trinity's history, as I mentioned. And another big part of it, so this is where your story comes in, we do this thing called the shape test. And um, the, the biggest part of the, the shape assessment is probably the spiritual gifts assessment. And so, spiritual gifts are, as they, this is from the scripture that they, um, used at the beginning, at the, at the end of the worship set, that there are many gifts given, but one right. spirit. Spiritual gifts are spiritual abilities given by God for the purpose of building up the church. And we are many parts, right, but one body. And so we talk a lot about that, like what is my part to play? And a spiritual gifts assessment can help highlight and bring out those things that the spirit has gifted you with and then just helping you discover how can I use what God has gifted me with to build up the church? So that's a big part of it. And then we talk about the track to membership on our church. And another fun part is um, you'll get to an opportunity to meet Mike and I and um, a lot of other staff from our church. You'll get to hear a little bit from each of them and get to know them a little bit as well. Yeah, that's good. And we have food too. So and the coffee snacks. and the food is, is good too. That is an important part of, of yes. Discover Trinity. <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, you know, in all honesty, in like lots of church history, including the Bible, so much of worship was around a dinner table, right? So mm -hmm. maybe we ought to even up the food, go from like donuts to steak and eggs. I don't know, just a thought. Well, we've uh, had Chipotle before, so. Oh, yeah, there you go. When we do the lunch ones, that is good. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Uh, next question I have is, should, because we talk about these as being states of being, right? Mm -hmm. So should you go just once? Not necessarily. I mean, first of all, if it's been a long time since you've been to Discover Trinity, we've actually changed it quite a bit, even in the last, even in the years that we've been here. So there might be some new things that you could learn in the experience. But also, I mean, if it's, if it's about discovering how um, God has gifted and crafted you, that's something we're all always learning, right? And in fact, I have in my own life, at different times, taken a spiritual gifts assessment and at different times realized that there are new things that God has highlighted in my life um, or strengthened in my life. And I realize, and it's really neat to see just how the Spirit um, works in us in different ways at different times. Because again, spiritual gifts are the, the purpose for the purpose of building up the church. Yep. And there will be different times where different things are needed in the life of the church. And the spirit is very active in that in each of us as we are 
willing participants to, um, to activate or strengthen different gifts in us at different times. So that's, that's, one, thing to, that's one thing that's kind of cool to learn. Yeah, the truth is, I mean, I think we've discovered this too just over the years, our stories evolve. So like the story of the church evolves. Uh, things that we do or we're centered on or, um, I mean, our core values don't change. Our mission, vision, values have been the same. Uh, but the story evolves. Um, new things happen in our community. Our country is in a different spot. Uh, new people come into the church. Uh, we have certain people, like with attrition, certain people come in. Uh, I think I was just talking with the worship arts team. We have, uh, was it three drummers that just graduated high school and all moved out? So, like, that's good. I'm glad they're we're all— We're sending them. I'm right? glad we're sending them out. But now that means we need more drummers right. at our different ministries and locations. And, and so, like— our stories are constantly evolving, and, and so is yours. I mean, like, the truth is, if you're at home right now with a little kid, or if you're an empty nester, or, I mean, your story is evolving, too. So as you kind of progress through life, you might find yourself going, man, when I was here 20 years ago, I really felt like this was my fit. I don't feel like it is anymore. Go to Discover Trinity. Learn where the story of the church is at right now. Have a clear picture of where you are at right now, and let's realign you in a place that fits at this stage in your story. In fact, for people that have done the shape test, uh, it's interesting, I'm even here like spiritual gifting tests, when you take the test when you're 25, and when you take the test when you're 45, and when you take the test when you're 55, you can get different answers because you're maturing. And so you will find, as you learn the story of Trinity and the evolving story in your life as God's shaping you, that you will find new fits along the way. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's good. Okay, um, last question that I have mm -hmm. for you. Is there anything that you just want to share from your heart? I mean, I think I would just like to share how much I love being a part of Discover Trinity and what a privilege, pri privilege it is for me. And in fact... My favorite part of it is getting to hear your story. That's really my favorite part. And I mean, like even looking around the room, there's many of you in here who I know your story a little bit because you came to Discover Trinity. So that's always the most fun part for me. It's really a privilege to be able to be a part of um, that. For many of you, it's kind of a starting point of your story here at Trinity and then getting to see you become even more integrated into the life of the church. And then I would also just want to share that this is not something that we want from you. You know, I'm not passionate about getting a lot more members on our membership roster so that I can feel really great about how good of a job I'm doing. Or um, we're not just looking to recruit more volunteers for the children's ministry, even though I know that they appreciate more volunteers back there. So I don't want to discourage that. But um, it's not that I'm, we're looking for something from you. It's, this is really something that we want for you. We want for you to have a more vibrant relationship with Christ, to have a more um, intimate and active discipleship with Christ, and um, to become more integrated in the life of the church, to have community. These are all the things that we want for you, and Discover Trinity is really a great place to um, discover that and, and learn how to make that happen even more. Um, and then lastly, just practically, the next opportunity for this is coming up in September. The dates are September 11th and 18th, and we will meet at 9 o'clock in the student room. You don't have to sign up. Um, you can just show up. And, yeah, I would, we would love to have you there. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Leslie, thank you for coming and sharing your heart about Discover Trinity. You're welcome.
uh, I want to take just a couple of moments here and uh, see if I can kind of seal this in. We've been talking a lot with our staff as of late. Thank you, Lissa. And um, the Discover Trinity thing is really important because we do want you to go from observers of Christianity to participants in it. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about sports the other day. You know, it's like, imagine in your mind somebody sitting in the living room watching a football game. That's not you. We want you on the field playing, right? Imagine somebody on the sideline or whatever watching golf happen. That's not you. We want you in the game playing. Um, we want you to participate in it. And, and the truth is, it's way more exciting when you're a part of it. Uh, okay, so... I want to take you back in time. Love, love, love history, which is why I've done so much education in it. Love history, love history, uh, theological history. Love a lot of that. So if you were to go, I mean, if this was possible, it's not. But if you were to be able to go to like every church in the world, right, bear with me. I know this is not possible. And you were to go on a Sunday at each of those churches where they all talked about the ideal church that they were trying to become. I guarantee at some point, the pastor is going to get on stage and he's going to talk about the church in Acts. Where God is moving in significant ways. I mean, we're talking about like healings are happening, massive revival. People are coming to the Lord in mass, right? So like confession and prayer and emotional and healing and miracles, all this stuff is happening. So the ideal church that you may even say you want to be a part of, right? Like when you're out looking for a church home, when you were, when you're out looking for a church home, those online watching here or maybe here live or online, you're looking for a church home, you're like, man, I wish I could just find a church like the church in Acts, you know, God was moving in significant ways. All right, with that ideal church in mind, like the epicenter of Christianity, Jesus dies, raises from the dead, comes back to life, visits people, and establishes the church. Miracles are happening like crazy. Revival's taking place like crazy. We all reference it as an ideal ministry. With this in mind, let's read about this church in Acts. Acts 6, 1 through 4 says this. Now in these days, man, these days, we all say we would love to be a part of those days. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, right, that, that phrase actually is really important. Literally, the church was exploding. Miracles, life change, revival. Everything you wish you could be a part of. Every church that you ever visit, when they're describing the ideal church, they're going to reference this one somewhere at some point, some way. They were increasing in number. And what's the next statement? So great things are happening. The next statement is a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Pause for just a moment. In your ideal church that you dream about, one of the first things we learn about it is there's holes in the ministry and people are dropping the ball. Okay. So if you're looking for the perfect church, you would have rejected the one that Jesus started. If by perfect you mean everything's accomplished, everything's done, every T is crossed, every I is dotted, there's no tension, you would have rejected the first church. 
just sit in that for a second. And the 12, so what happened? The 12, right? Because this is the very beginning. The disciples are still there. Well, sans Judas with the new one coming in, but right. The disciples are there. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right. Now listen, okay, you think they would gather together and go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry we've been neglecting these widows. But listen to what they actually say. They gather together and their statement to the crowd is, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word. What? Wouldn't you want the disciples to go, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry we dropped the ball here. Their statement is, don't distract me from what God called me to do. And this is the point where all you would have left the church, by the way. Like you go and complain about a hole you see in ministry, and instead of them giving direct compassion, they're like, whoa, don't, no, no, I know my calling. This is when you all would have left. Not really, not you all. You guys are like the amazing, perfect Christians, but hypothetical people out there, right? Hypothetically. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching of the word of God to serve tables. That's literally their statement to the group that brought it up. Ouch. So how does this go? Therefore, therefore, boy, that word therefore is always really important when you're studying the Bible. What is the therefore, therefore, therefore? Therefore, brothers, right? And the therefore is not therefore since there are needy people. The therefore is therefore since we cannot give up what God has called us to do. That's the therefore. It's not therefore since you're worried about this. It's therefore I know what I'm supposed to do. That's what the therefore is therefore. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you, since we can't do it, pick out from among you seven men of good rapport, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And then again, he circles back around and says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Okay. What is happening here? Because this is like prime place to be offended. What's happening in this? Let me say it like this. In the first revival and miracle-filled churches, in the first revival and miracle-filled churches, there were holes in the ministry and needs that were being overlooked. Let me say that again really clear so you don't miss this. Whenever you're bothered by something, I don't want you to miss this. In the first revival and miracle-filled churches, there were holes in the ministry and needs were being overlooked. God's answer is to give people an eye for the holes and gifts to fill them. So hang on just a second. The widows that were being neglected, God's answer was to open the eyes of some people to see it and open the heart of some people to care about it. Here's the important shift that we need to make in our mind. God doesn't increase. In fact, I've even got this for the screen. I don't want you to miss this. God doesn't increase the talent of one leader. 
he increases the number of people participating in church. That's what he does. He doesn't increase the talent of one person. He increases the number of people participating in church. That's the answer. So what this means is you seeing a hole like widows being neglected is a gift from God to you. And if you seize that as opportunity, it's a gift of God through you to the church and the world. How many times have I heard things like, Pastor Mike, why don't you do more for the da-da-da-da-da? Why don't you do more for veterans? Why don't you do more for single moms? Why don't you do more for poor whatever something subgroup? Why don't you do more for? Why don't we send more to? Why don't you pay attention to this part of the world? We have missionaries that we pay a lot of attention to. Why don't you pay attention to the missionaries in sub-Sahara Sudan? Why don't you pay attention to that? And you're really mad. You're aiming your holy discontent at the wrong people. A couple things that I would say about this. One is sometimes we wrongly title personal conviction as corporate conviction. Sometimes you really do have personal conviction, right? So I would say this, be slow to condemn the church and quick to complete her. Be slow to condemn the church and quick to complete her. Let me say it again. Be slow to condemn the church and quick to complete her. I know that you would love a senior pastor that was a great architect and a CPA and an entrepreneur and had plenty of time to go serve downtown the poor every night and was a missionary traveling constantly overseas visiting every country that you favor and was a really good dad present for his children, five of them, and was present with his wife and was really good. You would love a pastor. That's not the answer. It's not the answer. I'm not a CPA. I'm not an architect. I'm a Bible nerd that preaches the word. That's my calling. Please don't distract me from it. Help me fill it out. Another way to say it might be like this. Don't let someone else steal God's calling in your heart. God's giving you a calling. Don't let somebody else steal it or give it away. You own it. Another way to say it, as I'm continuing to try to drill this in, right, is celebrate the diversity of different passions and convictions in the body of Christ. Instead of wanting everybody to be just like you and care exactly like the, on the things that you care about, celebrate the diversity. I mean, when somebody comes in and they are a passionate follower of Jesus and they're crazy, love, excel accountants, 
Don't get mad at them for not being able to preach and teach. Let them be Jesus-filled accountants. Good luck. All right, like, Come on. All right, like no, it's good. Accountants are good, right? If you have an architect and they're good at building things, don't get mad at him for not having people skills and bedside manner, right? In the same way, now he needs to, there's core virtue that we have around Jesus. That's important. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But let him be how God crafted him to the glory of Jesus. Do you get it? Celebrate the diversity of different passions and convictions of the body of Christ. Stop being shame mongers. Shame on you for not liking what I like. Shame on you for not caring about the country I care about. Shame on you for not having gifts that I prefer. Shame on, no, we are one family with different gifts, different eyes, eye, ear, nose. I love the metaphor in scripture. Celebrate the diversity. Celebrate the diversity. Just to really sum it up clear, a couple of statements. God did not gift pastors to do all the ministry. Literally says it directly in the text. He did not gift pastors to do all the ministry. He gifted them for a specific part of the ministry. So like for me, I would say this. I know I gotta, I'm gonna circle it back around to feel good stuff. Hang on just a second. I know I'm, I'm like, sometimes I preach hard. The feel good stuff's coming. Give me just a second. I am called and held accountable to the ministry of prayer and teaching the word. I know my calling. Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me to reduce faithfulness to my calling by taking away yours. I sometimes wonder the conviction that you feel over like serving the poor or the conviction that you feel over going to a certain mission field or the conviction that you feel over whatever, making sure we're up to code in the church building or the conviction that you feel with being a children's helper or the conviction that you feel with helping with students or the conviction that you feel with upfront greeting team. I think the conviction that you feel, God literally is like slowly increasing that conviction and instead of going, man, this is my calling, you just get more and more frustrated that God is increasing the conviction. Listen, on the other side of faithfulness is a fullness that's really good. And you're resisting God's calling into that fullness. And that discontent, you're misaiming. All of your uniqueness, we have common threads, right? Branches, trunk, the very core trunk of the tree. All church activity submits to the ways of Jesus, right? So literally in the Bible. All church activity submits to the ways of Jesus. He is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18, Ephesians 1.22, 1 Corinthians 11.3. I could do a whole lot more. Jesus is the head of the church. So how we go about our calling and how we interact with each other, we have a clear core example to follow. It's Christ. All right. What I want for you. I know, I know it, was, it ended up being kind of a, a hard driving sermon, um, little homily here. 
I really do think that the primary way that Satan makes Christians bitter. I mean, people that are really passionate about Jesus. Because if Satan can't steal your heart, he's got to come up with new tactics. So, like, you love Jesus. But I think one of the ways that the enemy embitters believers, right? The, The beginning of embittering the believers, I really think it's when you are aware of a calling in your life. Like, man, you have a passion for your neighborhood or you have a passion for serving the poor downtown or you have a passion for counseling or you have a passion for children's ministry or you have a passion for youth ministry or you have a passion for construction and building and code or you have a passion, whatever it might be, you have this deep passion in your heart. And one of the ways that the enemy messes with believers is he looks at what God is calling you to and he says things like this. Somebody ought to do something about that. What's wrong with the church today? The church you go to, they don't even, they're not even doing that right now. What's wrong with them? And so what I want, Leslie said it exactly right. It's not what I want from you. It's that I need your unique calling to make this place more complete. You see things that God purposely has not allowed me to see. And you can do things that God purposely has not gifted me to do. So you can either get mad that I'm also human or we can make the family of Jesus beautiful together. That's it. It's not what I want from you. It's really what I want for you so that we can make the family of God look beautiful to the world. I need your uniqueness. I need it. I need it. I need your uniqueness. So here's the question I'll leave you with, and I gotta pass it to Josh. I've got to hurry to the next campus, but are you willing? I mean, here's what I would just ask with this sermon in mind. Are you willing to go to Discover Trinity and see how your story and the story and our story could overlap? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go check it out? If you haven't been in a while, go again. Are you willing to go to Discover Trinity? I want you to go to Discover Trinity and discover our holes. I want you to go to Discover Trinity and discover our holes so that you can help make Trinity an even healthier family. Gosh, you guys, I love you. And I really believe as a family, we can make a significant kingdom impact. Lord Jesus, be with them. I love this family of God. I pray you move in powerful ways. And as Josh shifts shifts it to the response, uh, just be with him too, Lord. You are amazing. All of this belongs to you. Help us to seize our calling in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. 
If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.